This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund. Washington takes on Stanford at 1 o'clock. Husky Stadium, a rare early start for Washington football. And, guys, it's been kind of, um, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe touch and go the last 24 hours on whether this game was going to be played. Not a lot of details to give out, but I know that there was definitely some concerns um, with some testing issues. So, um you know, we were up late last night, up early this morning, and at 7.42, we finally got word that the game was on. I don't, did you guys see about Ohio State, by the way? Yeah, I did not. A ton of guys, missing a ton of guys. Yeah, no, I mean, they're just going to be missing like three of their top offensive linemen, a defensive end, a linebacker, and, um, they're out. And so that's why, um, It'll be real interesting. Make sure and follow us on Dogman. I'll be checking off the numbers on the roster to see if any of the Washington players will be missing. We're expecting Ryan Bowman not to be available, but Chris, kind of a, kind of a little bit of a stressful 24 hours trying to figure out if we've got a game going or not. Yeah, it's weird because I, I just, you know, I feel like in 2020, we should always, you know, again, I mean, this, this is something that Jimmy Lakes talked about, you know, the team that's best prepared to handle the adversity. And, and shows the most discipline and the most focus is, is the one that's going to come out on top and his ability to handle the swings. And, and really I'm almost thinking of this like, um, you know, everyone's wondering, well, we got to know, we got to know, we got to know. Well, assume the game's on until it's not. I mean, think, think about it like, um, like let's say there's a, an emergency power outage at Husky Stadium or something, like, something unforeseen that you just would never have expected. And now all of a sudden the game can't be played because there's no power or, or something to that effect. I think that's the way you have to address it, really. It's just you have to assume that things are going to happen the way they happen unless you get word like Monday or Tuesday that it's obvious the game's not going to be played, which has happened. But the way that this thing has unfolded in 2020, guys, you can hear basically at any point during the week. And it's, and it, and a lot of it, I think, stems to whether or not how how long that particular program wants to hang on to the belief that they can get through the testing and the protocols and all the guidelines in a way that allows them to field the team. Like you just mentioned, Ohio State. Ohio State is absolutely desperate to get this game in because they do not want to be put in a situation where next week they've got to play Michigan to be eligible for the Big Ten title game, and Michigan's probably not going to – they're not going to play that game. It certainly doesn't look like they're going to. Well, that's so why right now you're you're seeing teams that are super up against it. Now I, I'm not. And that's why it was really important to get this game in today, Chris, because if Washington goes to gets this game in and they're able to get Stanford in, if there's any issues next week against Oregon and Washington wins today, Washington wins the North. 
Right. But I mean, that's again, that, that's what I'm saying. You see a lot of programs that are up against it that want to get these games in while they, they feasibly can do so. And then you add to it the things that are going on with Stanford and how they're kind of a program without a home currently and how they they had to reschedule their Oregon State game to be played in Corvallis. Again, this is just the topsy-turvy nature of what we're dealing with. And I think um, I was reminded of the, the movie The American President where the, the guy tells – he goes, well, I just tell my dates that everything is 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 on hold until I give you confirmation 30 minutes in advance. And it's like, okay. I mean, that's pretty much how you have to deal with these things nowadays. Scott, the Stanford team, it's different than what we've seen in the past. You know, talking to R.J. Abedia, you know, from uh, Stanford, he said that this is a pass-first offense. Did you ever think that you would hear that coming from a David Shaw team? Um. Well, I th- I guess it's just – no, on the face of it, no, on, on that question. But then you look at how this team has been built and their, their best playmakers are outside the, the, their, and their quarterback. Their running backs, I, I mean, I don't dislike Austin Jones. Um, but I just, I look at them and I'm like, there is nothing special about these tailbacks at all. I mean, Cameron Scarlett was better than both of these guys that they have playing right now and, and, uh, Austin Jones and Pete and, and boy, I, I just, I see these guys and, and I watch them play. I've watched every game of theirs so far this season and I'm watching it and I'm just like, man, they just are not special in the running game. And I was looking up their stats. I guess they have, they only have 14 first downs rushing and 33 first downs passing. And, that is pretty telling right there when, when it means part, partly it means that you're in third and longs or, or whatever, but it also means that you're relying a lot on your passing game as opposed to your running game. And they're only averaging less than 120 yards a game on the ground. Did we ever think we'd see that? I mean, it's, it's pretty telling. But Scott Austin Jones is top tailback in, on the West Coast, um, in his class. And it was a guy that Washington went after pretty hard. He was. He was. Maybe in Washington's system he'd be a little bit different. I don't know. Uh, but Washington's running a lot of the same stuff that Stanford's running. So, you know, I I don't know. I, I look at Washington's tailbacks, and Cameron Davis is more explosive than Austin Jones. And um, and I think they're in the same class, right? And um, And then you've got – um, and then you've got Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant and Richard Newton. All those guys, to me, are more explosive guys than Austin Jones. Austin Jones is a is a serviceable tailback, and he'll be he'll be just fine. He'll probably get you a thousand yards in a season. But I don't see anything that that screams game breaker. The guys like Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love were when they were at the university uh, or at Stanford University. They may not have the game breakers that you talk about, but, you know, Chris, when you talk about Stanford, they've got a quarterback in Davis Mills, and uh, I think he's a guy with all the talents in the world, and I think he's a scary guy because it's there. Are we going to see it or not? Um, that's the big question, but I think the talent is definitely there to, um, you know, put the fear into you a little bit. Sure. I mean, we saw it last year that, you know, he's clearly able to do enough and, 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 uh, in the games that he played and, 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 you know, not having him at Oregon, for instance, this year, I think really hurt them. I don't, I don't know if they win that game. They, they probably don't, 
But at the same time, I mean, he is their starting quarterback. He is a senior. He is a guy that's been in that program a long time, specifically recruited by uh, David Shaw to, to come to Stanford and play all the way from the East Coast. Um, I'll tell you what, when I saw him at the opening uh, down in Portland that one year, um, I was convinced that guy was going to be the second coming of Andrew Luck. And, you know, he's had some issues, had some injuries, things like that that have not helped. And then they, you know, KJ Costello in front of him. You know, I mean, there there have been some reasons why maybe some things haven't panned out quite his way, but um, he is a really good quarterback on his day, and he will really manage the game. Because right now you're talking about two teams in Stanford and Washington that want to possess the ball. They're top, they're both top 25 right now in time of possession. They want that ball. They do not want to give it to the other team. They pride on, they pride themselves on holding on to it. They're not going to give it away. They're they're not going to give up anything cheap. They they kind of pride themselves on it. Both teams do. So I think this is going to be a great matchup, especially on the offenses. But yeah, when you look at the quarterback specifically, you know Davis Mills, senior, experience, been through the wars. Dylan Morris in his fourth game already has a come from behind win. And how much on the up? I mean, there, there's a real contrast in the quarterbacks today. How much did Dylan Morris grow up last week, especially with that last minute drive? How I mean, it took Dave Browning a long time. How many games did it take for Jake Browning to have a game-winning drive at the end of the game? Yeah, well, I think it was his senior year, and it was that it was against Utah, and, and so at home, at, yeah, at home. home. So it was essentially the same type deal, but it took Jake Browning four years to get there, and it took Dylan Morris three games. Not saying that there should be any comparison between the two; it's unfair. But when you look at it just on the way those things stacked up, that particular hurdle was overcome by Dylan Morris in a way that we never saw from Jake Browning. Does that mean that he is already ahead in his development? Well, they're, they're a little different guys. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I want to go that far, but there's absolutely no doubt, Kim, to your question, yes, he grew up in a big way. And I think the team as a whole really grew up in a big way. Um, you know, you listen to their comments this, this week about, you know, what was going on at halftime, down 21, and, and the, the feeling that was going on and, and how Jimmy Lake went in there and, and basically talked about being in a street fight. Now, you know, they had taken their punches and now it was time to punch back and all these things. You know, I'm yep. not sure that these are the types of things or the types of metaphors or things that Chris Peterson would have made, maybe leaned on that Jimmy Lake is going to be a little bit more aggressive on. And I think that the team is starting to reflect the, the head coach and kind of the way he approaches things. So I think that's been um, something of, of note to follow as well. I don't know if Jake, if Dylan Morris is uh, reflecting Jimmy Lake. You've known Dylan for a long time, Scott, and boy, he's just a calm, cool, collected guy back there. Jimmy's always a wound up, amped up guy. But uh, you know, tell us a little bit about Dylan Morris. You've known him for a long time, Scott, yeah. and you know, just some of the things that you've heard. Yeah, I've seen Dylan. Throwing, throwing passes since he was a ninth grader. And, and, um, I remember hearing about this ninth grader coming in at Graham Kapowson and that he was really special and, and he's a guy we needed to keep an eye on. And, and he started from game one at, at one of the power teams in the state of Washington and took, uh, started there for four years. Um, did suffer a injury. To, I think it's toward the end of his sophomore year. I think it was, and so he didn't. That those are the only starts he didn't have. He suffered a, like a minor leg injury and and healed up from that and and got back and, and as a junior and 
senior helped lead his team to deep into the state playoffs and and a lot of people thought that uh they they had a chance to win multiple championships while he was there. It did help that his first couple years at uh at Graham Kapowson, he had one of the best offensive linemen in the entire country and Foster Sorrell as his blocker and he could throw the ball uh deep, he could throw it short. Um he he ran kind of a lot of the same schemes and and stuff that he's running now at the University of Washington he ran him at at uh, Graham Kapowson, so I think this is a great fit for him and he's just a guy who isn't going to wow you with his physical talent. He's not going to blow you away with his ability to run around and do different things and make plays with his legs. He's just going to be that short and intermediate range guy that can just get the ball out to the right guys at the right position and let them make plays. And that's really what you want from a quarterback. You know, definitely you'd love to have a quarterback that has the ability to escape and, and make, hurt teams with his legs. But, you know, you don't see a lot of guys that are great throwing the ball and great running the ball. It does happen. It just doesn't happen very often. So, um, sometimes you got to settle for one or the other. And in this case, I don't want to say they settled with, with, uh, Dylan Morris, but he's not a guy who's going to blow you away with his legs. So he's going to have to be a threat with his arm. And right now, as, as young as he is in this, I see a lot of future potential with this and, and it's going to be fun to watch him develop over the next couple of years. I think the big question, uh, today, Chris, is going to be the running game. Are we going to see the equivalent of what we saw in the Arizona game or are we going to see the equivalent of what we saw against Utah? Because Stanford's got some big guys up front and they're known to have a stout defense. So, um, what do you expect to see today? Well, this will be a great stats is for losers moment, to be honest, because yes, they have big guys up front, 300 bounders, and you're right. They have that intellectual brutality that they're known for on both sides of the ball. They pride themselves on being really stout at the line of scrimmage. But check this stat out. They are 117th out of 127 Division One or FBS teams in rushing defense. They're giving up almost 230 yards a game on the ground. And see, compare that to, you know, Washington fans, if they're going to nitpick the defense, and you really do have to nitpick the defense at this point to really find some flaws, but they're going to point to the rush defense. And they're going to go, yeah, that's really been a sore spot. They haven't fit the run well at times. Was exposed a little bit against Oregon State. I get it. They're 53rd in the country at 151 yards a game giving up. And that's a lot for a Washington defense under Lake and Kukowski. Stanford's given up 230 yards a game on the ground right now. And I, and I, again, I'm not sure I've watched as much Stanford ball as maybe Scott has. I've watched all their games so far. Um, yeah, guys are getting pushed around. And I think some of the younger guys in the linebacker core, like Damani, I, I know he's getting a lot of praise and rightly so. Um, but some of those other guys in the middle, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're getting pushed around a little bit and they're getting moved from point A to point B. And I think this is going to be a great situation for Washington's offensive line to bounce back from uh, a really tough game running the ball against Utah, which was going to be tough anyways, because Utah, I think is top 10 in the country rush defense. I mean, we always knew that was going to be a, a really tough ask for them, but to come back and go up against a team that's 117th in the country right now. If you can't get it done against them, then you then you need to start asking some questions. Scott, they uh, Washington's defensive line got the addition of a guy who'd been out a couple of games in Tule Latula Gasanoa. 
Uh, he returned. We'll see if we are able to see uh, Leatu Latu. Still, you know, I'm seeing him on the sidelines. He doesn't look hurt. I'm not seeing a brace. I'm not seeing a slim, uh, um, you know, uh, a sling. I'm not seeing uh, a limp, but uh, he sure seems to look healthy. We'll see if we get any return. But tell me a little bit about what uh, Thule added to this defensive line, being able to get him back. Well, I think he, I don't think he was at full full capacity last week. I mean, he helped. He was in on that play. I'm pretty sure uh, on the fourth down where they got that big stop, um, which was my key play of the game, uh, turnover moment, and everything like that. And, uh, I mean, he, he gave them a little bit here and there. I'm really interested to see what he looks like, uh, you know, now that he's back, been practicing with the team, been, been doing everything because that knee brace is pretty big that he had on. And I don't think he was moving as well as we're used to seeing. Cause man, that guy is so light on his feet. And for a guy who's 310, 315 pounds, He's really light on his feet and, and we didn't see that. He was more of a plotter. He didn't really do very much, get penetration or anything when he was in there. I don't know. Fetters, do we have a snap count on how many, how many plays he played? I know he played, but do we have a snap count on him or not, anything like not that? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. My guess I think, is, yeah, was, I think Pro Football Focus does it, but I don't. Okay. I, I should, I should look that up. But anyway, I, I think I would bet it was less than 20 snaps that he got. Um, last week and maybe it's, maybe it was more, but I, I would seriously bet that it was probably less than 20. Um, I, he's a guy who needs to collapse the pocket. Washington can get a lot of pressure off the edge right now with Zion Tupuola Fatui with Savelle Smalls. I thought Savelle actually played a decent game last week. Um, and it's only going to get better with him in my opinion. So if you can get pressure off that edge and then you can get one guy who can help collapse that pocket, Fatui Tuatelli did it a few times, but um, if you can get Tuli Letuligasanoa uh, getting in there and, and getting some some rush and push on the on the interior, man, that's going to make that outside rush so much more effective. And Scott, we saw a little bit of Tuatelli and Jacob Bandis, and those guys are still young. We take a look back at Vita Vea, Danny Shelton, and it took those guys, what, three years in the program to really, mm-hmm. in their fourth year, they really took off. But, uh, you know, uh, we saw some glimpses of, of both Bandis and Tuatele last week. Yeah, Tuatele, uh, you know, I, I thought he had a really, really good um, first two series, maybe three series, and then he kind of faded a little bit, and then he had had a couple impact plays in the – in the la- in the third late third early fourth quarter and I thought he played pretty well overall um we're just that's what you're going to see with these young guys they're you're going to see flashes and then you're going to see what the heck are they thinking so um but uh, Jacob Bandis I thought was just kind of a guy out there he didn't he didn't really flash and and really open my eyes to anything but he has that ability to do that, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I think, like you said, Kim, he's probably going to take another year um, in the weight room, another year in learning technique and how to do different things. Some of it's coaching from Kwiatkowski and, and uh, Malloy and showing him how to use his hands and, and, and do different things when he sees different fronts and all these different things. So um, maybe not a lot from Bandis uh, tonight. I think – Fatui Tuatelli is a little bit ahead of him, and I think Tuatelli is going to be that that fourth guy in the rotation. So you got uh, Taimani, Tuli, uh, Bronson, and then I think Tuatelli is kind of your next guy, and then Bandis and probably Nagalu or um, 
or, you know, some of those other guys that, that are, that are going to work into the rotation as well. Quick word from our sponsor. When we return, Scott had a chance to see some of the recruits. Some, uh, got a chance to see Sam Heward, Emeka, Egbuka, um, and some other guys as well at a camp that was held earlier this week. That and more when we return. It's the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Kim Grinnells from Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are back. Scott Eklund um, had a chance to see some guys earlier this week. Um, tell us a little bit about the camp you went to, who you were able to see. Just a few thoughts from that, Scott. Yeah, Lavelle Durant, one of the QB guys in the area, uh, gathered a bunch of guys together. He and Brandon Gibson were running running uh the wide Brandon Gibson the former wa- uh Washington State wide receiver and I who was he with the Rams and other I can't remember other teams that he was with but in, he was a pro guy and uh he ended up uh running with the wide working with the wide receivers and Lavelle was working with the quarterbacks I saw um Sam Heward I saw um Jackson Proctor the wide, the quarterback over at um over at uh, Kentwood, I saw um, Vispris, the kid from Bethel, who I really like a lot. He's going to Eastern Washington. He's a really talented kid. Uh, there are a couple other guys that were out there. Uh, Clay Millen was out there actually throwing the ball around. So a lot of good quarterbacks out there. And then Emeka Egbuka, Jabez Tanay, Junior Alexander. Those are just a few of the wide receivers. There are some really nice wide receivers that were out there too. Um, one, Gabriel Ogunlier. He's a kid who was at Hazen. He's now at uh, Kentwood and he and Jackson Proctor are going to make a nice tandem out there for Kentwood. He's a big kid, about 6'2", maybe 6'3", about 200 pounds, 195, 200 pounds. Man, he can run too, but... You know, you watch these guys throw. Sam just gets the ball off, snaps it out so easily, so effortlessly. You watch the way his footwork is. It's, I don't want to say it's flawless, but boy, for a guy the age that he is, man, he just, he's a special talent. And Washington is very lucky to have him right in their backyard. I think that kid, had he let things play out and had he not have, excuse me, had the connection to the University of Washington with his family, I think he would have had Offers from pretty much everywhere in the country. We're talking Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Clemson, all those schools, all those top end schools, uh, o- Oklahoma. You'd have all those top schools, but because of his connection to the University of Washington, the fact that he ended things so early, it was right after his sophomore season was completed. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard for schools to really offer him when they know that there's really no way we're pulling him out of there. So, um, but you just watch him throw the ball. It's fun watching him interact with other recruits. He and Emeka Egbuka have a really nice relationship. The two of them, they were, um, out running routes together. They were, they, they, they did the, the, the receivers rotate through and the quarterbacks rotate through. Well, there was, uh, more receivers than there were quarterbacks. So you didn't always end up with the same quarterback with the same wide receiver. 
So Sam threw to Jabez a couple times, threw to Junior Alexander a couple times, threw to Emeka a couple times, threw to some other receivers that I didn't know off the top of my head who were guys that were out there. So, um, but you watch, you watch all of them, um, run around and everything. And there, there's some talented wide receivers, but man, Emeka Egbuka is just on such a different level from some of these other guys. It, it, you can't explain it. And Chris, as a guy who evaluated stuff, and Kim, you guys have been watching recruits for a long time. Sometimes you can't explain it. You just have to see the difference when they're out there running around together. Yeah. I, I think that's what you call the difference between being talented and being gifted. You know? Yeah, so. maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I mean, it's just Emeka. And the thing about Emeka is, does he even have to go out and work? Does a guy like Sam even have to go out and work? Right now, if they don't want to, no. Was that on a Wednesday night no. and when it was like it was Thursday 38? night? Thursday night, yeah. Thursday, Thursday night, upper 30s, low 40s, cold. Uh, they actually turned off the lights at the very end of our <laughs> of the session as they're throwing. Like Junior Alexander was catching a long pass. They were doing a competition, and he was cut, and he was catching a long pass, and literally with the ball in the air, they turned off the lights. It was hilarious. <laughs> Emeka Agbuka taking a trip to Oklahoma this week, Scott? Yeah, he's down there with uh, Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the country. Sam's number two. And um, he's just, um, you know, I I was kind of on the sidelines just listening to the guys talk. And and, uh, I talked to somebody close to Emeka's recruitment and said, and this is a person who wants him at the University of Washington, but they, they're just like, you know, he's going to go wherever he wants to go. But I, I asked him about the trip to Oklahoma, and, and this person said, he's like, yeah. He goes, but the thing is, I know a lot of receivers who've gone down there and hated every second of their time down there. So it's really going to be, you know, what it's like for him. And he's not going to get the full recruit experience. You know, he's just going to have to be down there and and uh, and be with his friends that he's made on the recruiting trips, but he's got close friends up here. So I still maintain, I still maintain that I think that in the end, Washington is going to get him. I, I do not believe they're going to get JT Tumalau. Obviously things could change in that situation, but I do not believe JT Tumalau is really considering Washington at this point. But Emeka Egbuka, I think Washington has a real shot at, and I think they've got a really good shot. And I think they're the odds on favorite, in my opinion, to get Emeka Egbuka when it's all said and done. Chris Fetters, uh, kickoff at 1 o'clock today, Washington versus Stanford. Final thoughts as we wrap this up. Yeah, just, um, you know, it's going to be interesting because I think a lot of ways people think that Stanford and Washington kind of mirror each other right now. I think that's true in some basic ways, like the the possession thing that I talked about and how they just they kind of want to, I think both teams kind of want to ugly it up a little bit in that sense. They want to kind of go a little bit more old school, maybe not totally phone booth, but, you know, in some ways Washington kind of looks a little bit more like the, the old Stanford, whereas obviously th- this newer Stanford is, is still trying to get power done through the, through the spread concepts, but they have those big, big receivers and they, they you know, Fajoko and, and Michael Wilson and obviously Connor Weddington, who we know very, very well. Um, they're arguably the best, um, kind of group of receivers that uh, are in the Pac-12 right now and maybe the best group of receivers that have been at Stanford since Shaw is there. So uh, they have weapons for sure. I'm just wondering how, 
you know, Washington is going to attack the Stanford defense because there's different ways they, they can go about it, especially when you look at the numbers and, um, you know, the next evolution of Dylan Morris. I think I'm also very intrigued with. Lastly, I'm also very intrigued to see the matchup between Zion Tupola, Fatui, and Foster Sorrell. Um, I think that's there's going to be some matchups there. Uh, I'd be very, very curious to see how that works out. Obviously, Zion is a known entity now. He's getting national acclaim, national attention. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how they scheme against him and how Washington can maybe use that to their advantage, not so much as a decoy, but to possibly create some more one-on-one matchups on the other side. Maybe this is a game where Savelle Smalls all of a sudden has a, a big game or someone like that. So there's definitely some very intriguing storylines going into this game. Scott Eklund, final thoughts going into the Stanford game. Washington needs to play well. Um, I think Stanford's kind of hitting their stride a little bit. Davis Mills has been playing really well. Um, and they really should have, I, I mean, Cal should have beat them last week. Um, if they, if they could get a couple field goals off, but good on Stanford for making those blocks. So, um, I think Stanford's starting to feel, feel things a little bit better. I think they're, I think offensively Washington needs to put some points on the board. This, this defense is not very good. They have big guys and they have guys who can play, but unless they're schemed a little bit different, they're, they're just, they are not going to get it done and Washington should be able to well tonight. I look for Washington to run the ball on the ground quite a bit, but I think they can make some plays down the field as well. Um, in, in your, uh, you know, questions with RJ, uh, Abadia, um, from the Stanford site, uh, he basically said the, the real weakness of this team is in the back end. It's, it's not necessarily in the front. So, I, I think Washington can make some plays down the field. I, I look for a big game from Dylan Morris and the running game. I think Washington's defense is gonna gonna get tested early, but I think Washington pulls away and, and wins a relatively comfortable game. It's going to be interesting. I think Washington was sky high after the um, come from behind victory against Utah. We'll see if this testing thing has any impact. We'll see if they're missing any players. I do not expect Shane Bowman to be out there today, so. I'll be out there in the stadium early, be checking numbers off the roster, see who's there, see who's not there. So uh, make sure and check out the game day board. We will have all of that on the game day board. And uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com with subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Stay with us all day. We'll be, uh, I'll be at the game. Chris and Scott will be working diligently all day and nobody covers it like the guys at dogman.com. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 